Hey everybody, this is Round 6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight, with me, your boy, Noah Petrie. I know, I know what you're thinking, another MMA podcast. I know, there's a lot of us out there, but if you like bold, unapologetic hot takes, a detailed, broken down view of the fight game, and of course, stomach-hurting comedy, well, come to the right place. What's going on, everyone? This is R6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight with me, your boy Noah Petrie. This is episode Dos Dos, number 22 here, folks. And, of course, I'm going to be going over the Bellator fights that happened this past weekend, which, to be honest with you, they, they just weren't that good. It was kind of a shit card. It's more so that they made the card just to cater to that crowd in, uh, in, in Ireland, which they go too often. And of course, I want to address the mix-up that I had last week. I could have sworn I saw on the calendar that Dern and Jan were going to be happening last weekend. And I was so fucking disappointed that it didn't. Because I'd rather have no MMA than a really, really shitty Bellator card. I'm kind of shitting on Bellator there. But I'm going to be going over that card. Of course, the uh, MMA news slash drama that was happening in MMA sphere. The... Uh, the upcoming Yan Shaolin and Mackenzie Dern card, and of course my hot take for the week. But let's jump into it. This uh, this episode, guys, probably is not going to be too long. To be entirely honest with you, for the fact that there's really not much to go over. And here's the thing, right? For the Bellator card, Bellator, you make it so hard for me to give a shit about you. You really, really do, man. You really, really do. And I talked about it before. Was it the most sexy card out there? It really wasn't for the fact that they go to Ireland often. It's a great crowd. They have Peter Queeley. Every time they go to Ireland, they have Peter Queeley main event. And granted, this one didn't go so well. I'm really going to get into that really, really quickly. I'm not going to dive too deep into the card because it just really wasn't that great. And I know most of the fan base didn't really watch it anyway. Um, but the Peter Quilly fight, I'm just going to start with the main event, fuck it, the Peter Quilly fight against Benson Henderson, Peter Quilly, I was kind of shocked, I felt like this is more of a gimme fight, more so just, you know, the hype up Peter, yet he was coming off of a, uh, a knockout loss against Patricky Pitbull for the title, Patricky will be fighting Umar Nurmagomedov, which I firmly believe he's going to lose to, um, for the, the 155 belt and belts are coming up pretty soon, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a, a tune-up fight for him. Benson Henderson, as we know, is old in a tooth. The dude is fucking washed, is ever-loving shit. I think he's on a win streak right now, though. Um, but, yeah, he uh, he completely handled Peter Queeley. I think it was 49-45 across the board. And what really came down to it was Peter Queeley just couldn't get Benson Henderson off of him. He couldn't get Benson Henderson off of him. Typically, Peter Queeley has a really good takedown defense. So his takedown defense is fairly formidable. Granted, he wasn't you know, being controlled on his back. And, you know, Benson Henderson having full mouth the entire fight. That really wasn't the case. Benson Henderson was grappling him against the cage. Peter Quilly had one knee down. He just wasn't able to get Henderson off him. That's how Henderson was able to, to take the fight and control the fight. So it was a solid showcase win for Benson Henderson showing the uh, the experience there. Even though Peter Quilly is a pretty experienced fighter himself. But it, it was a uh, it was a result that I know Bellator wasn't hoping to get. And then we have your Romero against Manson, against Marvin Manhoof. And dude, that fight was just... It's another gimme fight. Like, there was no reason 
why Yoel should have lost that fight. No reason at all. There was no reason at all that Yoel could have ever lost that fight. It was a tune-up fight for Yoel. And Yoel utilized a lot of wrestling in that fight, which is pretty shocking to me. You know, he, he typically doesn't utilize that aspect of his game too often. But he utilized a lot of wrestling in that fight, and he got the, the knockout the knockout win from full mount, raining down elbows in the third round. Um, and it's sad that, you know, Manov had to go out on a loss to retire his career. But then again, the dude was pretty washed as well. Um, it sucks that you know, a lot of the fan base didn't know how good he was back in the day. You know, a prime example was him fighting Robbie Lawler in Strikeforce. But it, 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 really, it really wasn't much for this card, to be honest with you, man. It, this card wasn't the best. It wasn't that sexy. It, it, it was really hard to, to, to uh, I'm not going to say to watch because it wasn't hard for me to watch. I watched this about anything MMA related. But it was hard for me to care about. It was really, really hard for me to care about. Uh, it's not, and it's not because it's Bellator. That's not the case at all. It's not because oh, it's Bellator. I don't care about Bellator in the UFC. No, it's because the card itself sucked. The card wasn't a good card. The next Bellator fight coming up is going to be fucking amazing. The next one coming up is going to be fantastic. I'm going to care a hundred percent for that one. That one's going to be amazing. Um, but this one, it just. Uh, you know, it, it was just a car that was there, you know. But uh, at least we got some kind of MMA this past weekend. But now I'm going to be jumping into MMA news slash drama. Guys, this is going to be a quick episode. This episode is probably going to be like 30 minutes at most tops. So it's going to be easy for me in regards to editing. But not so great for you guys in regards to entertainment. So I promise next week the the, the, uh, the episode is going to be far longer. Because um, it's going to be more for me to go off of. But Sanhagen d- doubles down on the Cheeto callout, so that's the fight that makes sense. And honestly, I think it's the fight that makes sense too. I think when you really li- realistically look at it, it's the it's the most entertaining fight. So you can either because because uh, T- Sanhagen called out Marab and he called out Cheeto for the fight. He called out both men, right? And you could look at it in two ways. You can have the Sanhagen. Marab fight, which would be a terrible fight for Sanhagen for the fact that Marab doesn't get tired. He's going to utilize a lot of grappling. I do think Sanhagen is overall better opponent, but styles make matchups and it, it, it could spell pretty, pretty bad for Sanhagen. That's a matchup for him. Um, or you have Sanhagen against Cheeto, which is still a very tough fight. Don't get me wrong. Very, very tough fight. That's a fight that's more entertaining. Because if you have Cheeto against Marab, it's clear to see that the UFC is trying to build up Cheeto. The UFC thinks they have a good product with Cheeto. He's a pretty good fighter, and they want to build him up. They've given him fucking old dudes left and right to make him look good. So now you have to put him to the test. Now he's, he's going to be fighting the cream of the cream of the division. He can't be fighting old dudes anymore. So giving him to Marab would be a terrible fight. That's the worst possible matchup for Cheeto Vera, other than the champion Aljamain Sterling. Because Marab is just pressure-oriented, which we know when Cheeto's fighting off the back foot, he doesn't perform that well. Marab is going to have him against the cage, wrestling and grappling him the entire time. And Cheeto's grappling and wrestling game isn't good either. So that will be a fucking horrible fight. And Marab has a fucking granite chin too. So that is a terrible fight for Cheeto Vera. So of course, the fight that 
one is the most entertaining and two has the better chance for Cheeto to win is the Sanhagen fight. Because, of course, do I think Sanhagen is a better fighter? Yes, 100%. But styles do make matchups. So I think that's the fight that the UFC is going to make. I think it's a fucking phenomenal fight. How I think, how I think the fight will fare out, here's the thing, right? Because Sanhagen has so much. He's a volume fighter. He's going to get you on volume. He's going to keep piecing you, attacking you, piecing you, attacking you, piecing you, attacking you. Where in regards to Cheeto Vera, Cheeto Vera is going to basically take the first two rounds off. He's not going to throw. He's going to throw one big punch and that's it. And, you know, and rock his opponent, kind of win off that one round. I'm trying to win off that one punch for each round or one attack for each round. Now... Yeah, he's been doing that to older in the tooth competition. For instance, you know, Frank Yeager, Dominic Cruz, those guys who are old in the tooth, you know, they're washed or they're on the older side. He hasn't been doing that to fresh new competition, you know? I mean, you can say the O'Malley, but then again, you know, it, it what really happened was the, the leg injury that caused the downfall of it all. Um, but besides that, you know, Corey Sanhagen has a fucking phenomenal chin. He's another one who has a phenomenal chin. So can Cheeto do that to Sanhagen? That's a big question. On top of that, I think Sanhagen is the overall better striker than Cheeto. I think Sanhagen overall is a better fighter than Cheeto. I think he's more well-rounded than Cheeto. I think he has more five-round experience than Cheeto, which is fucking obvious. Uh, I think he's just the overall more experienced and better fighter. So how do I think that fight fares out? I think Sanhagen will take it, but I think Sanhagen is going to utilize a lot more grappling and wrestling in that fight. I do think he would do a lot of striking, but it will be more so striking to set up the to set up and initiate the grappling, because Cheeto's weakness is seems to be grappling, and Sanhagen has improved on his grappling as of late. And Sanhagen has a very good fight IQ. He is still learning. He's still improving. I think that it wouldn't be the most sexiest victory, but would be a victory for Sanhagen. So that's how I think the fight will fare out. But I could be entirely wrong, and it's a fight that I still want to see. So I agree on Sanhagen here, saying that that's the fight to make. Now, Anderson Silva explains the UFC's practices and issues with it. He was going on to explain um, like how the UFC... You know, how they handle certain things and contracts and stuff like that. But he was really getting into contracts. And he was saying how, you know, yeah, the UFC can pay their fighters more and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when a fighter signs a contract, that's what you signed for. Like, that is what you signed for. That is what you agreed upon. Your manager and your management failed you. Because they're the ones who are supposed to help you and get more money in when it comes to contracts. When your contract is up, when you sign a new contract. So he's saying that you know fighters who are complaining that they're not getting no money when they sign a contract. Like, listen, why are you complaining? That's what you signed for. When you get a new contract, then you can ask for more. Which, logically speaking, yes, it makes sense. And I can see why Anderson would think that. But then again, it's really not that simple. Because... There isn't any leveraging or that kind of stuff in regards to the contract negotiations in the UFC. It's more so like, yo, it's either our way or the highway, and that's basically it. So it's really not much for contracts um, in terms of negotiating for the UFC. And on top of that, most managers in the UFC really shouldn't be managers. When you look at what it takes to be a manager in other sports like 
football, baseball, basketball, etc. You have to have a law degree. You have to have a law degree and a credentials in order to be a manager. For MMA, literally, like, if I'm a UFC fighter, my fucking grandma could be my manager. That, it's another thing that's hindering the sport as well. So, and and, you, and even if you change the law to have it so that these creden- you have to have credentials in order to be a manager, that's just going to fuck up the fighter because the fighter is not getting paid well. They're not going to be able to afford paying a legit manager. So it's just a flawed system. Like the whole system is just flawed. So I understand where Anderson is coming from, but in reality, it's really not that simple. Then we have Oliver Coates saying that Islam is a better wrestler than Khabib. Um, I'm, one thing that I'm noticing across the board is Islam's team is, is writing off Oliveira a little too much. They're kind of just, they're kind of just like, yo, like Islam's better than this guy. He's going to go in and show him this better than this guy. And that's it. He's writing off Oliveira a little bit too much, which can prove to be, um, to Islam's downfall. But do I think Islam is a better wrestler than Khabib? No, the, the wrestling styles are very different. Their whole game and you know how it's structured is very different. Yeah, they have very similar wrestling techniques. They both have a sambo background, but their overall wrestling is very, very different. It's not you know it, yeah they utilize a lot of foot sweeps and you know and, and trapping the legs when they have the uh, opponent against the cage and that kind of stuff. But Islam is more so wrestling to get the finish in regards to submission where Khabib was like, yo, I'm just going to smash you for five rounds and, and just do, you know, formidable ground and pound. So I don't, I wouldn't say Islam is a better wrestler than Khabib. I just think their wrestling styles are just very, very different. And I can't, I'm in no con- position to say who's better at wrestling because I'm not an expert at wrestling. Like, DC will be a good person to ask who's a better wrestler between the two. Because, one, he trained with both of them. And, two, he's an Olympic-level wrestler. So, he has more insight there than someone like me who I don't have a wrestling background. So, I, I can't effectively say who's better um, at wrestling. But what I can say is that the wrestling styles are pretty different. They're, they're, their overall fighting style is not necessarily the same. And we have Mike Davis. He's he's. He uh he came up with a game plan. He uh, he's basically letting fans um corner him for 10k. He was like that's he's like being in my corner is probably the best experience you can ever have. Except for 10k, you'll be able to go to the weigh-ins, have backstage access, be in my corner, get the best seat at the house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for only 10k. And honestly, I don't know if the UFC is gonna allow him to do this. That's a whole other question. Because the UFC just be like, nah, we're not having this, pulling the plug on it, fuck you, we're not doing this. Um, but I, I I don't see a problem with it, to be honest with you. Like, some people are seeing a problem with it, some people are saying it's a good idea, some people are saying the UFC won't allow this, I think the UFC wouldn't allow it. But I don't see a problem with it, man, I really don't. Like, for 10k, like, if I was rich, I would 100% do that. Because I'm getting the best seat in the house. I'm, you know, backstage, the fighters, I'm... I'm I'm going to Ayans. I'm doing a walkout. Like it, it will be a fucking memorable experience for 10k. 100%, man. Like I think that's a fucking fantastic price in comparison to what you pay front row seats for for a UFC event. You know, the the the, the for experience alone will be amazing. So uh, I shot. It's a, it's a a good idea 
for him to get more money in his pocket because he can't get sponsors outside of what the sponsors are already given in the UFC. But uh, I doubt that the UFC will allow him to even do this, to be honest with you. Now, Dana White is saying that Nate would have been fucked if Ham- if the, the Hazmat fight even went through. And he was saying, you know, now looking back and reflecting on it, like that would have been a very bad fight for Nate. Some, some things would have went terribly wrong. And what's interesting was that during the entire fight week and every and the entire fight camp when this fight was announced, everyone was saying that that for like that's a terrible fight for Nate. Like you're literally fucking Nate. And he was like, No, don't count on Nate. You can never count on Nate. Which I understand, you can never count on Nate, but he was kind of just not accepting the reality that, you know, this could have ended fucking terribly for Nate. And I think it was more so he just had the mindset of trying to fuck Nate. When now it's uh, it's a completely different mindset. They they kind of made up there and they're not you know on bad terms or bad blood. And we'll see if Nate will even sign back with the UFC or will pursue other things like in boxing. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's just interesting to see that he was shitting on everyone for having that mindset, but now he's the one who has that mindset as well. Doesn't make any sense. Now, the UFC signs LFA champion Jacqueline uh, Omerhim and for the straw, for the women's strawweight division. And this is good. This is really good. Should she... I think she's currently undefeated. Should she just go in there against the champ, Shevchenko? No, probably not. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it, though, because Shevchenko doesn't really have any contenders. Um, you can have her fight... Uh, God, what was her name? Who she just fought? God, I'm blanking now on the girl's name that she just fought. Uh, Talia Santos. Yeah, you can have her fight Talia Santos again. I mean, you can have um, Jacqueline fight Talia Santos. From there, number one contender against Shevchenko for 125. But do I think you should be throwing her in against Shevchenko right away? No, you know. But then again, you know, there's really not much in that division anyway. So I really wouldn't be opposed to them doing that then the ufc signs raul rosas at 17 years old being the youngest fighter to ever be signed in ufc history and there's a lot of uh, you know different opinions in mma sphere in regards to this because some people are saying you know it's crazy he has so much potential and this is amazing other people are saying this is bullshit because he got a contract before bo nickel other people are saying he's not ready for this. You know, he's, this is a really big mistake. And I'm going to give my take on it. I don't really watch the Contender Series, to be honest with you, just because my bandwidth is so much that I'm not going to I'm not gonna cover the Contender Series where most of those fighters are guys who are just coming off on the regional scene who are just got signed as MMA, you know? So uh, I'm not going to cover those guys yet. Um, maybe in the future I will. If the if the fans want me to cover the, the Dana White Contender Series, then I'll start watching and I'll cover it. Um, but as of now, what my bandwidth is, you know, with everything else I'm doing in my life, it just it would just be a little too much for me. But how I feel about Rosas being signed at 17, I checked out his fight, and did he look good? Yes. He's very high intensity, which he's 17, so it makes sense. Was he 100% put together? No, he wasn't 100% put together. But then again, he's 17. Is he extremely good for a 17-year-old? Yes. Do I think he could be a lot of guys, a lot of low-level guys? Probably. You know, 
he 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 didn't look, you know, all polished up. He didn't look perfect or ready to fight for a title soon or any of that stuff. Because he's 17, he's not supposed to. No, you're really not supposed to. And some people would compare John Jones. You know, John Jones was 21 or 22 when he won the belt. I'm like, yeah, John Jones had four or five years over Rosas right now. When you know, um, when you know John Jones won the title. But at the end of the day, you know, John Jones is such a rare talent that, and literally the greatest fighter ever, you can't really compare any youngster coming into the UFC to him. Um, it just wouldn't be right. But not only that, John Jones looked polished. Like, he looked good. He had more fights on his resume going into the UFC. He had, you know, um, he, 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 had, he had more experience. He looked overall better. He was 100% put together. So, that didn't mean to rhyme there. But um, that's not the case of Rosas. Rosas, yeah, his grappling game is formidable, but his opponent was making a lot of mistakes in that fight. A lot of mistakes that his corner was calling out on and even the commentating team was calling out on. When you look at the combined record for Rosas, um, the, the people who Rosas beat, their combined record is not good. So, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's extremely young, 17 years old. Um, he is not put together. He still has a lot of development to do. Overall, do I think it's a smart decision for him to be signed for UFC? For him, no. For for him, no. For the UFC, I guess it makes sense because he is a, a fairly good talent and you don't want that slipping to Bellator to one. But do I think he should be in the UFC right now? No. It's going to fuck up his whole development. Because, listen... You, yeah, he could fight some low-level guys, but the level of competition in the UFC is going to be far better than anything else is out there, which I don't think he's ready for. Do I think he could be a, a guy here and there? Yeah, but do I see him being champion two years like he claimed? No. Especially at 135? Fuck no. There's no fucking way. There's no way. Sorry. Um. So I think maybe the best bet would have been for him was like a five-fight Dana White contender series deal. Where he fights five fighters in the contender series. Or maybe even like, you know, a six fight, seven fight contender series deal. So he can get more experience. Because he's only 17 years old. So it's not going to change anything. You know, it's not like he's wasting time. Or if he were to take, you know, five, six, seven fights over three years, he'd be wasting time. No, he's still extremely young. He still has his whole career ahead of him. So I think that would, that would, and it would just made this build up going to the UFC even more great. So I think that uh I think that was probably the way to go to be honest with you. I don't think they should sign a dude that's 17 years old, you know, fighting with the few fights that he had, you know, against his current level opposition of opponents. But we'll we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out, but I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to go at uh, the way that he's expecting it to go. His his DOC career run and Chandler says that Islam is getting premature praise because he hasn't fought anyone yet. And I see his point of view because when you look at who Islam has fought as of now, he hasn't fought the highest level of competition in the division yet. He hasn't fought, you know, the best guys at 155 yet. He's kind of skipped over a lot of those guys. Like, I would have loved to see him fight against a Dariush. Like, I think that was a fight... That would have we would have really seen how high level Islam is because Darius is also a wrestler. So I would have loved to see how Islam would fare against a wrestler, or if he were to fight a guy like a a Gamrot 
or sorry, Yuki in again, even though he beat him the first time, but it was a very close fight. Um, so that's what I've liked. I would have liked to seen. But then again, even though he hasn't hasn't fought the best in the division yet, doesn't mean that his talent is not there. I think he, you know, runs laps over most of the 155 division. Um, but we'll see how how good he really is on on uh, this month for the pay-per-view. I mean, next month for the pay-per-view. We'll see. And I don't, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to really cover it too much and get into it too much, but I'm just going to say that we will see if he, he is the real deal, in my opinion, but we'll see if he's, you know, championship worthy um, when he fights Charles Oliveira coming up. And now we have Petri predictions. Duran against Jan, Jan Shaunan. And I covered this last week. Ugh. And I'm going to be covering it again this week. But Dern has a chance in this one. But I think if Dern can't get her down in that first round, I don't see Dern winning this one. Yansha now is a formidable striker. She has some good power in her hands. Granted, we've seen, you know, how uh, Carlos Raj was able to handle her when she got her to the ground. But... Uh, I, for Dern, yeah, her grappling is so good and is so formidable. But her striking, even though it has gotten better, it just isn't 100% there yet. It's not there yet. There's still some tweaks and some things that need to be done. Um, and I think overall, if Dern could get her to the ground, I think Dern, I think Dern can, uh, can possibly get it, uh, could possibly take it. But if she can't get her to the ground, then I don't think there's no way that Duran would be able to take it. I want to check out Yang Shaonan, actually. I want to see her record. Let me, I'm looking it up now, guys. I am looking it now, looking it up now. Yes, 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 yes. All right, guys. All right. So, Maria Rodriguez, Carla Esparza. Yeah, Carla Esparza, she, she got the T. Carla Esparza able to take her to the ground and, and pound her out there and get that TKO victory. But then again, that's Carla Esparza. She has the best wrestling in the division. That's not the case in regards to, um, it's not the case in regards to, you know, Mackenzie Dern's wrestling. So even though Carlos was able to do that, doesn't mean that Mackenzie was able to, will be able to do that. And she got a decision loss against Marina Rodriguez, which is arguably one of the best in that division as well. But besides that, she went on a what eight fight win streak, somewhere around there. So she is a very good fighter, even though she's coming off of two, two unfortunate losses. Um, I I I I put my money on Jan in this one. I put my money on Jan in this one. I think Jan is overall the better fighter. I think if McKenzie can't take her down in that first round, she does have a shot in the second round, but she can't take her down in the first or halfway into the second. I think it's Jan's fight to win. And last but not least, I want to go over the hot takes. And the hot takes for this week, guys, is is Jose Aldo the go at featherweight. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because everyone, you know, he just retired and everyone's talking about he's a go to featherweight. Who is the go to featherweight? And I want to give my two cents in and say, who's the go to featherweight? I can't give it to Aldo. I think Aldo is the most accomplished featherweight champion of all time. He is most definitely the most accomplished cha- featherweight champion of all time. 
he has the longest reign out of all the featherweights. And I don't think any other featherweight in history have the, the, the reign that he had. You know, he went 10 years, haven't been, you know, haven't been beaten. So, is he like, is he the most accomplished? Yes. Was he, does he have to do longest reign? Yes. But is he the best? That I don't know. And the reason why I say that is because he lost to Max Holloway twice and he lost to Volkanovski. So he lost to the two other people who were in contention to be the GOAT featherweight. That's my issue. That's my biggest issue. And yes, it wasn't Aldo's prime. He didn't beat Aldo in the they didn't beat Aldo in their in his prime. I mean Max Holloway did, you know, within that general facility of Aldo's prime. Um Volkanovski was able to get him, you know, a little bit after into tooth. It, you know, when he was more washed. So it that that plays a factor, but I just I can't say that he's a featherweight goat if he lost to two other, you know, people in contention. And he didn't, you know, he never avenged those losses either. So it just doesn't make sense for me to consider Aldo the GOAT. Again, I think he's the most accomplished featherweight of all time, but I can't I can't put him as the GOAT. So for for me, who is the GOAT? I think it's up in the air still. I think as of now, you can say, I think as of now, you can say Aldo. Because Max Holloway is still fighting and Volkanovski is still fighting. And I'm very hesitant to call anyone to go when they're still fighting. Because we don't know how their career is going to turn out. Look at Kamaru Usman. People were saying Usman was the go at weather with the welterweight. He just got knocked the fuck out by uh, Leon Edwards. So, I, I you know, I, I can't, I don't want to say anyone's the go as of now um, in the featherweight division. Because two people who are in contention are still currently fighting. Uh, I do say that if Vulcan also could keep doing what he's doing for the remainder of his career at featherweight, he would go down as a featherweight GOAT. Because he beat Jose Aldo, he beat Max Holloway, he basically beat all there is to be in that division. As of now, we'll see there's a few more fights that he has to do. He might go up to, to 155, we'll see how that happens. But I can't, I'm hesitant to say that he is the GOAT because he is still fighting. So I guess you can give Jose Aldo the GOAT status of featherweight for the fact that the other two fighters are still fighting. But we'll see how it goes. I'm just hesitant to give him that title because, you know, he, he took two, he took three L's against those two guys. So that's it for the podcast this week, guys. I told you it's going to be a quick episode. I said 30 minutes. It's right on the 30-minute mark. But, of course, you can find me on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon Music slash podcast. Um, it will be on YouTube very, very soon, guys. I promise you that as well. You can find me on um, iHeartRadio and uh, all the other major podcasting platforms. If you want to follow me on Instagram, Noah underscore A underscore Petrie or Noah Petrie R6 on Twitter. And I hope you enjoy the fight next week, guys. Excuse me, this week, guys. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye.